There in Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, let us now give our attention to the reading and the hearing of God's holy and inspired word. Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land into the place of Sechem, unto the plain of Morah, and the Canaanite was in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there built he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass, when he was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarai his wife, Behold, now I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass, when the Egyptians shall see you, they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. It came to pass that when Abram was come into Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman, that she was very fair. The princess also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And he he entreated Abram well for her sake, and he had sheep and oxen and asses and men servants and maidservants and she asses and camels. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh in his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh said, or called Abram and said, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Why didst thou not tell me that she was thy wife? Why saidest thou? She is my sister, so I might have taken her to me, to my wife. Now therefore, behold thy wife, take her, and go thy way. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away, and his wife, and all that he had. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. <coughs> Well, as we have been looking through 
the book of Genesis, the first 11 chapters, we've seen the flow of redemptive history in those first 11 chapters. Those chapters 1 through 11 record the history of the world from the creation to the genealogical record that's found there at the end of chapter 11. Now we come to this second major section of Genesis, which covers chapters 12 through 50. That is the period of the patriarchs. It is in this second section that God calls out one family through whom he brings redemption to the human race. Chapters 1 through 11 are a preface to chapters 12 through 50. These first 11 chapters are foundational to this second half of the book of Genesis. There in chapter 11, we saw the line of Shem traced and brought to Terah in verses 27 through 32. If you remember there in verse 27 of the previous chapter, it records the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram. And then it follows the lineage of Terah's line. And verse 32 says that the days of Terah were 205 years, and he died in Haran. So we see the lineage there of Abram in the previous chapter. And so he is the beginning of this new generation through whom the Messiah comes to bring salvation to the world. Now, we're not going to take a whole lot of time to go through this, but there's a lot that could be said here concerning the Abrahamic covenant and its importance in redemptive history. But as we look there at that first section I want us to look at in chapter 12, we see the call of Abram in verses 1 through 3. This covenant under Abram builds upon the covenant under Noah, and even builds upon the covenant under Adam. The covenant under Adam was a covenant of beginning, a covenant of commencement. The covenant under Noah was a covenant of preservation. Now the covenant under Abram is a covenant of promise. And as our confession of faith says, God deals with man by way of covenant, that God enters into a relationship with man and calls him to obedience. So in that Abrahamic covenant, Abram is given a promise that, he, that God would raise up a seed. God promised to preserve a seed under Noah. And now he promises to bring about a seed. Abram is commissioned in verses 1 through 3. He is sent out. The call comes to him in verse 31 when he is still living in Ur of the Chaldees. And he is called in verse 1 to leave Ur, to leave behind his idols, to leave behind his father's house, to leave behind the land to go where God would lead him. Now you might ask, well, the text doesn't say he had idols. Well, Abraham Abraham was now called of God for the first time. God appeared to him. But if he was in Ur of Chaldees, that was a land filled with idolatry. But now for the first time, God calls him out. 
and tells him to leave everything behind and follow him. He, le- he tells him to leave everything behind and follow the Lord so that he might be a blessing to the nations. Now this is important in redemptive history because particularly God calls out this one man to be the father of many nations. But there we see an, an imperative or a command in verse 1. Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and thy father's house to the land that I will show you. And there in the giving of that command, get out of the land, God makes three promises there in verse 2. He says, I will make you a great nation. Secondly, I will bless thee. And thirdly, I will make thy name great. Now, all three of those are in response to God calling him out to go where he would lead him. And so we see also there another imperative or another command at the end of verse 2 that he would be a blessing. And in that blessing, he says, I will bless them that bless thee. I will curse them that curse thee. And in thee, I will bless all the families of the earth. Now notice the language there because I don't think you can can explain it away or get around the language there in verse 3. God says to Abram, I will bless them that bless thee. I will curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now when you follow as we will in Genesis and you see the progression in the line of Abram in that covenant of promise, God certainly brings out the Israelites. But it is not a promise for a physical nation. It is a promise for a spiritual seed. And we see that later, that God will bring a seed into that land. And so it's not only that he will be the father of the Jewish people, but he will be the father of what? All the families of the earth. And so here in the very beginning in chapter 12, we see the promise that God will bring the gospel to bear to all the nations of the earth. I think there's a tendency for many to not see anything here that hints of a messianic promise or anything in the future. But if you go back to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, that when Adam fell in sin and when the whole race fell in sin, he gave a promise there in Genesis 3.15 that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And there's a promise there that God would bring a covenant of grace, which is clearly seen in the Old Testament. But remember... In Genesis, everything is in seed form. You have a little seed that begins to germinate, that begins to grow, and suddenly you see that seed in fulfillment of what is seen in the New Testament, and that is the blessings of Christ. He is not promised to preserve a physical land that people fight over. He's not promised to to preserve a, a people or a race of people that 
are in disobedience to God or who curse Him and curse His commands. It's a promise to those whom He would bring blessing to the nations of the earth. And so as we see that call, that commission given to Abram, we see secondly in verses 4 through 9 the obedience of Abram. Now here is where we see the, the covenant even in the Old Testament. There is the call of God. There is entering into that relationship. And then there's the response of those to whom God calls and enters into that relationship with. Abram is obedient to that call. Verse 4 tells us that he departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. There was no delay, there was no arguing, but Abram went as God had told him, and he took Lot with him, and the text tells us he was 75 years old when he departed out of the land of Haran. So here is the reward of his obedience, that the Lord led him out and promised to make him a blessing. There in verse 5, it tells us that he took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all of their substance that they had gathered. Notice, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, into the land they came. And so here in verse 5, it says that Abram passed through the land. Notice the language. This idea of passing through the land shows that he found no rest there. He didn't stay, but he simply went into the land. And as he went into the land, it says he took all of his family and their substance, and he also had taken those souls that he had gotten in the land of Haran. And so here's the beginning of that promise that was made. That he is the father of those who are blessed through him. And so Abram is already gathering unto God and unto himself. He's bringing a people out. That they too might worship the living God. And I think verse 5 is often overlooked in this text. That these people that Abram gathered were important because they are the ones who would go with him to that land that God promised he would give unto them. They, so he went there, and verse 6 says, that when he passed through the land unto the place of Sechem, unto the plain of Morah, and the Canaanite was there in the land. Here we see that he goes into this land unto the plain of Mora. Now, it's understood by many scholars and historians that Mora was an oak tree that was in that land. And that oak tree was often used by the Canaanites as a god. And so it's in that land that he passes through that he comes to that tree there in the midst of that land of heathen people. And it is there, verse 7, 
that the Lord appears unto him again and says, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who had appeared unto him. Notice there, as he is in that land, he didn't stay. But it is there that God called and said unto him, Unto thy seed I will give this land. And we don't want to see there this promise of giving him some plot of land for people to fight over thousands and thousands of years later. But this is a promise that he would give him what? Not seeds, but a seed. A spiritual seed. And so the Lord appears to him. And there, the promise of God is made to Abram that he would give a seed that would inherit that land. That singular term of seed refers to Christ. And according to Galatians chapter 3, verse 16, in him, all the families of earth would be blessed. And it is in Abraham, that all the heirs of God's promises are received. And so by faith, Abram believes God, he builds an altar, and he becomes as a priest, offering sacrifice unto the Lord his God. And it's interesting there that as he comes and settles there, and he comes to verse 8, he comes to the mountain on the east of Bethel, we see here that he comes to this region, settles in the mountain region east of Bethel. Do you know what Bethel means in Hebrew? House of God. Interesting here that he refers to a place that he would go, and it is there that the house of God is built. Abram settled in that region. He pitched his tent and built an altar. Why did he pitch his tent? Because he was going to stay. There's a permanence here with him pitching his tent because as he pitches his tent, he builds an altar. And the thought comes to mind, or it should, that passage there in John chapter 1, verse 14 that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth. Here we see a glimpse of the fulfillment of that Abrahamic covenant that one day the Lord Jesus Christ would come and he would dwell among men, and he would pitch his tent, literally, among men. And so that is what Abram is doing here. He's pitching his tent, building an altar, because he's going to stay here, and this is where he is going to worship the Lord, his God. Wherever God is worshipped, the people of God form a community. And we see this clearly in the Abrahamic covenant, in that covenant of promise that God is building a people. God is building a community of worshipers who will declare to the nations 
that the Lord God is their king. So this is a picture of God dwelling among his people. Again, it's in seed form. Genesis begins to show us that God calls a seed, God calls a people, and redeems them that they might worship him. And so we see the beauty of the Abrahamic covenant showing that it all speaks of Christ and the glories of his kingdom that are to come. And then as he journeys on, Verse 9 says, he journeyed going on still toward the south. And then we come to the third and final point there in verses 10 through 20. That as Abram goes, as he is fulfilling that promise that God has given to him, he faces trials and tribulations in the land. The text tells us that there is famine in the land where God called Abram to settle. Now, we don't know the time frame. These are periods of time where, where Abram's journeying. It took him a long time to go from place to place. He didn't have modern transportation. He was dependent on his camel or on walking. And so as he goes, there is a period of time between all of these places where he journeys. But as he goes down to Egypt... He settles there. And this is the very place that God said he would give to Abram as a seed. Now wait a minute. God brought him to Egypt and promised that he would give him a seed and that he would possess the land. Here God would bring blessing out of trial. That as Abram goes, as he sojourns there, and as he sees the, the land filled with famine, it says here that he encounters trial and tribulation. Just like Jesus, who began his ministry in the wilderness facing great testing, so Abram would face the dark providence of God in the land there he would face a test. And we see that test in verses 12 through 15. Now you have to remember, Abram believed God. Abram went, he obeyed God. But we still see the weakness of his human flesh because he begins to get a little nervous. He's in this land. He's in this land that is plagued with famine. He's in this land that is filled with, with Egyptians who do not worship the true and living God. And so he's afraid. And he begins to say to his wife, well, I'm a little concerned that they might take you and I'll never see you again. So he says, let's just tell Pharaoh that you are my sister and perhaps it will go well. But notice verse 13. He wasn't concerned about his wife. He was concerned about his, himself. Tell them that thou art my sister, that it may go well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. You know what Abram's doing here? He's trying to work out God's covenant in his own way. 
he's trying to say, well, let's, let's try to, to work through this. Let's try to think through this. He responds with fear. But he also responds with telling a lie. Well, it probably wasn't really a lie, was it? Sure it was. It, it indicates that, that that in the text, even Pharaoh knew that it was a lie. And so as we see him facing this great trial, he responded in fear. And he lied. And when Pharaoh find, found out, however he found out, he became angry. And verse 15 says, The princess also of Pharaoh saw her and commanded her before Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into his house. And he entreated Abram well for her sake. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house because of Sarai, Abram's wife. Now here he judges Pharaoh and his household. But here it says in verse 18, What is this that thou hast done? Why did thou not tell me that she was thy wife? And then he sent him away, that he might go, not bother him anymore. Here we see that God, even in spite of Abraham's disobedience, God brought judgment upon Pharaoh so that he might protect that promised seed. His purpose is never defeated. God's purpose is never frustrated by our weakness, by our sin, or by the schemes of evil men. But God uses that to protect Sarai, to protect Abram, so that promised seed would not fall to the ground. Abram is the father of all those who by faith receive salvation in Christ. They don't trust in their own works. They don't trust in what they can do. But they trust in what God has promised. That he might bring blessing to the nations of the earth. And here in chapter 12... We see that through the Abrahamic covenant, the promise is to bless those who by faith trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who by faith and obedience follow after Christ. But here is the blessing of the covenant to the nations. God will bring the blessing of the gospel to all the nations And all the nations, as Jesus gives in that final commission in Matthew 28, that all the nations of the earth will become his disciples. And so there's a lot of things here in chapter 12, but the beautiful thing we see is the gospel in seed form, just as we saw in Genesis 3.15. The gospel begins to take root, even in the life of Abram. So that we might see that the promise is not to a land, to a physical nation, but the promise is to a spiritual seed that speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a wonderful promise to us, that as the church we are called to proclaim the gospel to all the nations of the earth. And those who indeed receive that gospel by faith, 
come into the blessings of that Abrahamic covenant. Let us sing to the glory of our God there in Psalm 105b, a thousand ages.